0: Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Hey, if we haven't met before and you're thinking, man, who is this younger, more handsome version of Pastor Peter? My name's Brian Guy. I am the newest pastor here at FBH. And I just want to take a moment and say thank you. Uh, my family has been received with open arms. I can't tell you, like, it, it, it's been overwhelming how much love has been poured out on us, on our son. And Jesus said, the world will know you are mine by how you love one another. And it's clearly evident that you are Jesus's because the love that exists here, it, it's beautiful. It's a family. So thank you so much. And uh, I just want to say my, my title is next-gen pastor, which means I'm responsible from, from zero to 18 years old. Now, for me, I directly oversee junior high and high school students, and I've had the honor of hiring two children's ministry um, directors to oversee kids' men. And so I want to introduce to you two ladies who need no introduction. That would be Sarah Anderson and Kayla Kuhl. Cool. So they have been officially hired on <clears throat> as our kids' directors. So Caleb will be overseeing um, birth through preschool, and Sarah is going to oversee kindergarten to fifth grade. And they've already been doing an amazing job. And so I'm really excited to see what God has in store for us here in the future. And God is good. Amen. So this morning we're jumping into a new series called Titan the Knot, which is focusing on what the Bible has to say about marriage. And for those of you who are single, don't tune me out just yet. So please, I, I encourage you to, to absorb as much as we can from the Bible regarding marriage and store it up. So that way in the future, if, if that's you, if you decide to, to get married, then you have those, those pieces of wisdom for you. And for those of you who have been married longer than I've been alive, I also hope you won't tune me out. But that we together will see the heart of marriage and that you'll be encouraged in your marriage and that you would strive to help those younger couples have a, a faithful marriage as well. And for those of you who are joining us in person or online, and maybe we have different beliefs about marriage, I hope you'll hear what I have to say this morning, that it's out of a spirit of love. Because here's the thing, in a world that is ever-changing, ideas, definitions, and even the very heart of marriage has evolved. But for those of us who who put our faith in Jesus, we know that there is a good design from a good God for marriage that stands firm throughout our ever-changing world. So please, as we we jump into God's word to, to mine those riches, would you please just pray with me one more time that we would invite God to help us see that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've revealed yourself to us in it. We thank you that you revealed your design for life that is good, that brings us joy, that brings you glory. So God, as we jump into your word this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to receive what you have for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So it was spring break of 2015, and I'm laying on the floor in an upstairs Sunday school room that does not have air conditioning, that it's above the church that we would take our high school students to for our Mexico mission trip. And it's late at night, I'm laying there, and the boys like to have pillow talk before they go to bed. So they're talking about their day, what they experienced. They, they're talking about the people they met. And then, of course, they start talking about their crushes, the girls that they like. And it was only a matter of time until they directed the conversation toward me. Because while I'm laying there in, in the room with the high school boys, next door is my now wife, but at the time my girlfriend who's with the high school girls. And they, they directed toward me and they go, hey Brian, do you think you're going to get married? Why, yes, actually. (laughs) Little did they know, I had already talked to Madison's father. And I had intentions to marry Madison. We had been seriously talking about it for some time. And Madison's father was hesitant at first, as a good father should, because we were both really young. We were both still in school. I was working full-time on the ambulance, which meant I made almost nothing. It was like 24K, something like that, a year. So it it was valid to be a little concerned. So as I'm laying... As I'm laying on the floor talking to these high school boys about relationships and talking to them about marriage, one of our students, his name is Jedediah Scott, he turns to me and says, you're not down to get engaged this week. You're not down to propose to Madison this week. Quickest way to get me to do something is to challenge me on it. So I decided, you know what? You're right. I am proposing this week, and it's Wednesday night, which means we have one more night. I'm proposing tomorrow night. There's this taco shop we always go to at the end of the week. I'm going to do it there at the restaurant in front of everyone. So I wake up the next morning. I just want to be clear. um, I didn't actually propose to my wife out of a a bet or a dare. Like, I had intentions of marrying her. I just want to make sure that's clear. So... The next morning, I I wake up and I find Marsha, who Marsha is like the mother of the group. And I tell her, Marsha, I'm going to propose tonight. And she, after like a minute of freaking out, I'm like, Marsha, I need your help. I don't have a ring so she, she throws me in the car, and we start ring shopping in Mexico. We're going to all these different ring stores. We left the, the, the group behind. It's just me. You know, we're going to all these different shops, and we're trying to find a ring that fits Madison. I'm like, none of these fit. None of these are her. And Marcia says, I have an idea. What if you just got a placeholder? Got something fake, something cheap, and, and just a placeholder until you get back to the States. And then you, you both can go ring shopping together. I'm like, that's brilliant. Let's do that. So we go to Walmart, and I <laughs> I get this, this, like, $10 ring. And it clearly is not going to be her permanent engagement ring. It's way too big. It has these, these hearts on the top, which I knew she wouldn't like. But it's just a placeholder. So I get the ring. I'm all set. That night, we go to the restaurant. And I stand up in front of everybody. I'm like, hey, can I have your attention, please? In front of the entire restaurant. And I start talking about our group and how impressed I am with their hard work and all that I saw God doing through them. And then I said, there's a specific person I'm impressed with. And so I bring Madison up and I'm telling everyone why I was impressed with Madison. And then I turn and I start talking to Madison directly. And you can see it. There's a video. She's like freaking out, like what's going on? Cause she doesn't like to be in the spotlight. So I'm telling her all the things that I love about her. And then I get down on a knee and I ask her to marry me. And she says, yes. And the entire restaurant just erupts in applause. Everyone is so excited so we get back to the States, and a few months later, we start premarital counseling. And part of our premarital counseling uh, was taking pre- uh, personality assessments. <laughs> and I remember sitting down in Pastor Ed's office, and he was baffled. I think he looked us in the eyes and was shocked and said, How do you two function? <laughs> I'm sorry? And he's serious, how, how does this relationship work? I'm like, what? can you explain more? And he's like, you are complete opposites. Like normally there's a little overlap and that's, you know, that helps bring people together. You, you two are opposites. We took the Myers-Briggs test. That was one of them was Myers-Briggs and my results were ESTJ and Madison was INFP. And if you're like, that means nothing to me, that's okay. Just know there's four categories and in those four categories, there's two options. So option one, I was extrovert, she was introvert. I was sensing, she was intuition. I, uh, I was thinking, she was feeling. I was judging, she was perceiving. Complete opposites. And later on, uh, later on in our marriage, we took the Enneagram to figure out, what, okay, what numbers do we relate to? I relate to an eight, she relates to a nine. If you know anything about that, it's like, what, that, that should not work. So looking back on it, premarital counseling with Pastor Ed was foreshadowing to some of the problems I would have later in marriage. My wife and I, we have a wonderful marriage. And I say wonderful, I don't say perfect. We have a wonderful marriage. And so what I mean by our premarital counseling was foreshadowing is that my personality type initially pushed back against the very heart of marriage. So this morning we're going to be in The book of Ephesians. And since we aren't studying the book of Ephesians, I'm not going to go into great detail about it. But I do want to say this. The first half of Ephesians is very heavy on, okay, what do we believe? What is the the spiritual reality that we've experienced? And the last half of Ephesians is, okay, how do we live that out? As Christians, as followers of Jesus, what does it look like to live a life that is honoring to God in this world? And starting in chapter 4, Paul is telling them, and he's telling us today, that there is a right way to live. A way that is designed and gifted to us from God. Like That's why we see in in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul writes, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. He says in chapter 5, verse 2, walk in the way of love. And later on in 15 and 16, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. There is a right way to live that is good and pleasing to God. And there is a wrong way to live that is displeasing to God that often leads us down paths toward hurt and toward pain. And the wrong way usually takes something good that God designed and just twists it and manipulates it just a little bit so it still functions, but not as God intended. And here's the thing. Not everyone can see that God's design is good. It's only when a person has been renewed by the spirit of God that we can see the beauty in God's design for marriage, and strive after it. That's why we see Paul writes in in chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. So church, this morning we're going to try to find out what pleases the Lord when it comes to marriage. If you have your Bibles, like I said, we're going to be in Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 31. We're going to take it as a whole unit. So if you're not familiar, if you don't know where Ephesians is, just open up to the front of your Bible. You'll see a table of contents. You'll see two major headings. First one is the Old Testament and then New Testament. Old Testament is everything before Jesus came. New Testament is Jesus' life and the start of the church. Ephesians is going to be in the New Testament. And when you get there, those larger numbers are the chapters. Smaller numbers are the verses, so we're focusing in, like I said, on twenty-two to thirty-one. We're taking it as a, as a whole unit, and we're gonna um, we're gonna we're gonna try to dissect it and see what it is that God designed for marriage. And I do want to recognize, I do you want to recognize that we live in a first-world modern culture, and and that first-world modern culture w- would say that the biblical design for marriage is it's archaic. They would say that it is an ancient way of living that is outdated. I can recognize that. I can see that that's how it is perceived. And if that's you, consider this morning that perhaps there is a design for marriage that stands outside of time, that stands outside of space, that stands outside of culture. Perhaps there is a design for marriage that is good, that is holy, I believe that this is it. So, let's jump into it. This is starting in verse 22. Paul writes, Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. When we study the Bible, we have to discern with the Holy Spirit whether the the text is prescriptive Or descriptive. Here's what I mean by that. Is what is written here describing how something was done? Or is it giving a prescription of how things should be done? Well, verse 31 clues us in on this text being prescriptive. Because Paul is pointing back to Genesis. Back to when God created the world and it was free from sin. After creating all that exists... God said that it was very good, and that includes his design for marriage. In the creation account, we see that God designed marriage between one man and one woman who would be united together, sharing an equal value, but playing different roles. Verse 31 points us back to this universal design that stands outside of time, space, and culture. Ultimately, at that, Paul just all that Paul just instructed toward wives, toward husbands, it stems out of God's design for marriage. So what is Paul saying here? Well, there's the explicit instructions, but we got to understand, all of that is stemming out of the heart of marriage. So what are the explicit instructions? First, He says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, let's be absolutely clear here. This is not misogyny. Look at the text. It does not say, women, submit to men because you are less than. It's not what it says. What does it say? Wives, submit to your husbands. That's in the plural. Let's break it down into the singular. Wife, submit to your husband. It's an individual act towards someone you love. That's the first instruction. The second one, Paul wrote, husbands, love your wives. Men love instructions and clarity, right? That's probably why Paul gives husbands twice as much instructions as wives. I can just imagine someone raising their hand. Um, Yes, yes, so how much are we supposed to love our wives? In which case, Paul says, as much as Christ loves the church. And in case you forgot, Christ loved the church so much that he, he died for her. And in case that's too hard for us to comprehend, love your wives as much as you love yourself. This is, is honestly one of the, the most con- convicting passages in the Bible for me. And let me explain why so you don't think I have a horrible marriage. Do you remember when I said that sitting down in Pastor Ed's office and going over our personality traits was foreshadowing to the struggles that Madison and I would have in our marriage? Really, it, it was the struggles I would have in our marriage. You see, instinctually, I, I'm independent. I'm self-reliant. That's my instinct, is to go toward that. I don't really—I want to rely on anyone to, to help me complete my tasks. I don't want to rely on anyone for my safety. I don't want to rely on anyone for any help in general. I just, I'm independent. I want to do it myself. And when I'm on a team... I work on what I need to work on, and I'm confident, okay, I can do this. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to get it done, and I'm trusting that you're going to do your role, do your job, do it well. That's my instinct. That's my default. So how did that manifest early on in my marriage? Well, um, at night, when my wife and I would get ready for bed, I would brush my teeth. I would go get a glass of water. I would grab my phone off the couch. I would jump in bed, and Madison would ask, oh, did you grab my phone? No? Why not? It was sitting right next to yours. Well, that's your phone. I thought you would go get it. That was a mistake. (laughs) Another example. We we would be in, or she would be in bed and I'd be crawling into bed, and she would very kindly say, Sweetie, will you you go give me a glass of water? And then just, you could see the frustration on my face because. For me, it's the downfall of my personality. I'm thinking, I just spent 15 minutes getting ready for bed. What, what, was, what was happening during that time? You could have gotten water. What? I know now that those are mistakes. Well, I'm still learning. But those are mistakes I'm working through. And for some reason, nighttime is is when my, my worst personality traits come out, apparently. But oftentimes, we're, here's the thing. We're so used to going through the motions every day that we forget the heart of marriage. We forget it. Paul gave instructions to wives. Paul gave instructions to husbands. But those instructions stemmed out of the heart of marriage, which is sacrificial love. The heart of marriage is sacrificial love. Wives practice sacrificial love by voluntarily stepping aside and allowing their husbands to lead them in marriage. Husbands practice sacrificial love by placing their wives' wants, needs, desires above their own. But these are easier said than done voluntarily submitting yourself to another pus- person or, or putting your, someone else's needs above your own, that goes against everything that's ingrained in us as Americans. We're taught that the most important things in our lives is our freedom, our independence, the notion that if you just work hard enough, then you would not depend on someone else. Or if someone else just worked hard enough, they would not depend on you. As Christians... The most important thing in our lives is Jesus and living a life of sacrificial love just like he did. Voluntarily submitting yourself to your husband is an act of sacrificial love. Placing your wife's wants and needs before your own is an act of sacrificial love. You see, I've had to work really hard Really hard over the last 14 years to fight against my inclinations for independence, to fight against my inclinations for self-reliance, but especially these last seven years in marriage. And you know what? I I still mess up. I do. Just this week, I went to my wife and I apologized because I'm writing this sermon and I just felt convicted that I'm not loving her more than I'm loving myself. I could still be doing better. And I know I'm never going to be the perfect husband. I know my wife will never be the perfect wife. And here's the thing. We do not need to be perfect spouses. We are never going to be perfect spouses. We need to be spouses who recognize when we're straying away from the heart of marriage, repent, forgive each other, and then help each other do better. So, for those of you who are married, is your marriage a display of Jesus' sacrificial love? Are you practicing sacrificial love each day? This series is called Tighten the Knot because we want to help strengthen marriages by pointing us back to God's design for marriage. So this week, I have some things for you to try. Let's start with the singles. If you are single, and by single, I just mean unmarried. So maybe you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, or maybe you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend. If if you're unmarried, I want you to reflect on who in your life has been a beautiful display of God's sacrificial love in their marriage. Now, don't stop there. That's step one. Step two, reach out to them. So if, if you're a man, reach out to the husband. If you're a woman, reach out to the wife. And just ask, hey, could we grab lunch this week? Or coffee? Could we just spend some time together? And when you are hanging out together, just talk to them about marriage. Hear their story. Learn from them. What is it that... Is going well and, and are, is there anything that you any observations you can make about how in the future you could implement that in your marriage it's not too early to start doing that all right married folks this may feel a little uncomfortable but have an honest conversation with your spouse this week do you feel like your husband is putting you high on their priority list are they caring for you like they care for themselves? Do you feel like your wife is is willfully allowing you to lead in your marriage? Do you feel like she's respecting you as a leader? Now two things with this. First, this conversation needs to be done in love. This is not the time to pull out your long list of everything that your spouse does wrong and just list it off. Oh, you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this. That's not what this is. This is an honest conversation getting to the root, the heart of marriage. The second thing, with this, we have to put on our big boy pants and our big girl pants and be able to hear what our spouse has to say to us. And understand that maybe there's one or two things that, that they feel we can be doing better. That does not negate the thousands of things that we're doing right. Because it's easy to, to hear the one thing we're doing wrong and think that, oh man, we're everything we do. No, it's just this one area we can work together on to improve. It doesn't negate everything else we've done. You see, we're trying to strengthen our unity and sometimes that means we need to get stretched a little bit. Now, after that exercise, if you feel like, man, our marriage is strong, it's firm, it's rooted in that sacrificial love, then seek out a newly married couple to mentor. Proverbs 27:17 says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. L- allow me if you would to adjust it a little bit to fit our context. As iron sharpens iron, so one marriage sharpens another. You have so much wisdom and counsel to share with younger couples. If you're thinking to yourself, I don't know anyone, I don't know anyone who just got married that goes to FBH. Do you know Pastor Jeff? Talk to him. He's the connections, Pastor. Say, hey, you know, me and Madison, we're, we're feeling like our, our, our marriage is pretty strong. We'd love to pour into to a young married couple. Could you put us in contact? And vice versa, if you're a young married couple and you're like, man, we, I mean, we could just definitely use some godly wisdom, then reach out to Pastor Jeff and put that on his radar. We're all trying to grow in love. Sometimes that means speaking up a little bit. Now, as we wrap up our time this morning, I want to point out how Paul tells us that marriage is this visible symbol of Jesus' love for the church. A love so deep that Jesus gave himself up for her and died so that we might be forgiven of our sins and have new life that does not fade away. So this morning, we're going to remember that sacrifice together as we partake in communion. And I just want to say here at FBH, we have an open table, which means you do not need to be a member of our church to participate in communion. You only need to be a Christian having confessed that Jesus is Lord over your life. And if you have yet to make that public confession, and it's something you've been desiring, I just want to tell you, it's it's as easy as the ABCs. A, just admit, man, I'm a sinner who is in need of a Savior. B, believe that Jesus is that one and only Savior who died to atone for your sins and resurrected three days later, sealing the promise that you too will have everlasting life. And C, choosing to follow him each and every day and put your faith and trust in him and him alone. So if that's you this morning, whether whether in person or online, and you feel the need, like I need to pray that prayer, then I want to encourage you to pray it with me right now. And make that public confession that Jesus is Lord over my life. Before we take communion so that you can participate in your first communion. So if you would, please bow your heads and let's pray together. God Almighty, we recognize that you have a good design for life, for marriage. God, we recognize that we are sinners in need of a Savior That sin has taken your good design and it has messed it up. God, we, we mess up every day. We fall short every single day. But we believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior, our one and only Savior, who you sent to this earth to atone for our sins, who died on a cross and three days later was resurrected, and that In that resurrection, we have promised that we too will never die, but we will have eternal life with you. And we choose to to follow you each and every single day. Our life is yours. You are Lord over our lives. So God, we thank you so much for your love that is so deep. We pray all this in the power and the authority and the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.